Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to a brand new episode of Zone Time. Sam from the broadcast is here. Omar from In the Mentions is here. Cuthbert from Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast is here. Friends, thank you so much for joining me this week so we can talk about the finale of Euphoria that happened over the weekend. That's all I want to talk about for the next 30, 45 minutes. Listen, the only thing I'm going to say is I need to know what the budget was for the play. They had multiple, (laughs) like they had actual houses on stage. I'm watching this thinking in my high school experience. And I'm like, what? Like they made us like go into art class and like make like cardboard castle wall things and then put them, put those up. And like, I'm watching like a legitimate, like Hollywood set. It turns. It's yeah. The turning. Like that's what tripped me up. Like what kind of school is this? So like that, that's, I think that has to be the, the biggest takeaway from Euphoria season two. Definitely. Oh man. Forget the, forget the play. What happened to Fezco? Like we need to know. How am I going to, how am I going to get man. by? Okay. All right. Well, let, let's, let's make sure that we do. Sam, do you want to get any final thoughts in? No spoilers, please. Oh, I have a confession to make, which is I have not watched Euphoria yet. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's, that's okay. That's Good thing we had no spoilers. Yeah. You are a pure person. Normally, let me tell you shows, about everything in the show pure. right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drugs. That's all. That's all you need to know about Euphoria. Drugs. I don't mind spoilers, but I, I'm like a person who reads the last page of the book before. <laughs> before i started so i do that too it's just that in all fairness yes there are probably people maybe our yeah. producer karen breen who have not watched the finale as of yet it's only been a few <laughs> days so in all fairness fine we do not need to go in on the finale of euphoria how about we talk about award season because we're already how many months away from the end of it anyway who cares if it's too soon to go into whether or not austin matthews should be the clear front runner for the heart trophy justin made very great points about him being the heart trophy favorite on the latest edition of the Yahoo sports hockey podcast there are new york rangers fans who will probably walk up and say hey what about our guy igor shesterkin and then maybe people in florida for well I see we already we're already getting feisty on that. So let's just let's just jump right into it here. Okay. So Omar, if you had a vote right now, right now, and I understand there's bias. Yeah. Who are you picking for the heart trophy? Yeah. And and like and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna 
say it's it's a it's a clear cut front runner or whatever, but I I really feel like Matthews has what Matthews is doing on the Leafs right now is is ridiculous. Like like it is every game he is just creating something, and I think the 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 thing that stands out the most about it is he's doing the good old hockey cliche thing, you know, going from defense to offense. You know, if you commit defensively, you get offensive chances. If you watch Matthews play, it's literally like there are multiple examples of that. Like he's like he's cutting players off for, around the boards. He's stripping players when they're trying to transition to the offensive zone and creating goals from that. So it's just like, like besides like the raw production, like, you know, currently he's leading, leading the league in goals. I want to say he's leading the league in five on five goals right now. Still like he's just an overall player. And, and however, you know, when it comes to like the, the formal definition of the trophy, like if we awarded it based off the definition, it's McDavid. Cause you know, most valuable player to your team. I'm sorry. Show me Edmonton without McDavid screwed. Right. But this season, like, I mean, they're kind of screwed now, and they yeah. have, and they have been. I was gonna say, does it make a difference? So, I mean, I mean, you could almost make an argument that Matthews is a little bit more valuable to his team right now than McDavid and Drysaddle. Yeah, so- you could almost make the argument that those two, even though at one point it was a two-man race between them at the beginning of the year, maybe they cancel each other out. Yeah. Where are the Leafs right now without Austin Matthews? I don't, I don't know. And out and, of the playoffs, and probably. Thing. And it's a very interesting thing. And especially when you, when you see, you know, and again, this isn't to dump on Tavares, but, you know, Tavares has been like, you know, getting assists and stuff and doing little things. But like, as far as the raw production, like it seems like Matthews is doing something every single game. And I don't know how you not look what he's doing right now and not say at the very least, he's well-deserving of a heart nomination. Okay. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I think, I think Matthews would be my pick as well. Although if we're, again, going off the actual definition of the award as the player who's most valuable to their team, I think UC Saros should be in the conversation. Like, I think the National like Predators that. would be yeah, absolute trash fair. without him. So to me, that's that's the player who, who should be in the running and it, frankly, isn't talked about enough. I like that. Because the Predator, remember, the Predators at one point were supposed to be like tanking, or at least they should be like offloading assets. And now they've I turned themselves into a playoff team. I, th- I yeah. thought they were going to do that too. And for all the talk about Igor Shosturkin being a Vezina and possibly a Hart Trophy candidate, UC Saros, I think, is, is giving him a run for his money with how great he's been. Also, a short king doing well in the net. We have to shout <laughs> that out. Uh, Cuthbert, uh, what, what do you say about all this? Uh, it could be. It, it won't be, but it could be two goaltenders and... Austin Matthews as nominees. Uh, This is a narrative-based award. So who tells the best story? Who has the most to pull from when putting together their story? It is clearly Austin Matthews. It might have been Alexander Ovechkin before. 36-year-old, ousting these young guns, scoring more goals than everybody else. Other things that you might want to consider now, but he's not scoring goals anymore. He's not that guy. He was that guy for two months. And now that belongs to Austin Matthews. He's probably going to win the Rocket Richard. He's probably going to drive the most meaningful success in that the Leafs are probably going to finish with a top five record in the league, at least I think. He's also going to chase down records. 54 goals, Rick Vive, 100 years of Maple Leafs hockey. He might score the most goals in franchise history. And of course, Rick Vive. Yes. Vive yes. Still stands 40 years later. Yes. And the Maple Leafs are going to set a record for points in a season. So if you're attaching excellent performance to team results, it's Austin Matthews. There's really no other choice. Oh, can we just like, can we just like clip what Justin said and just like repeat it? Oh, 
that was so so that that, that touched that touched my soul that. no that touched my soul honestly thank you thank you for that i imagine you need you you need as much positivity as you can oh, yeah, get and yeah, things to calm down after the 10-7 debacle over the weekend good lord <laughs> <laughs> good even lord. a win can be grading Jeez, they man. they they don't make it easy in as a least fan no lead is safe People say, calm down to 7 1. I was not calm. It was 7 1. I thought it was 7 2. It was 7 2. It was 7 2. It was 7 1. Jesus Christ. And like, just (laughs) don't know. (laughs) Like, that would have been a game, man. You like, we talk about like having like having like a live recording and me watching a game like that. That would have been something, man. Let's just move on. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. How about how about I make you slightly happier with throwing this this consideration for the uh, Calder Trophy out here? Um, Michael Bunting. You know, we we. Oh wow, he was already ready with the jersey. I was ready. I was ready. He was one hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right. You know what, dude? Just 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 take the floor on this one. All right. You just make just go case. ahead. I, make your case. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um. Here's the thing. Okay. And. It, it, it's clear. I love me some Michael Bunting. I think it's a, it's a great contract. I think Gee, we didn't notice. <laughs> he's a perfect fit um, on the top line. I think, which is which is, I think, a very underrated aspect of this season. I think heading into this year, everyone was talking about like, yo, who was going to replace Zach Hyman on the top line? And yes, you know, initially it wasn't Bunting, right? It was Nick Ritchie. You know, Bunting was actually on the second line. Bunting played on the fourth line for a bit. So, like, you know, he paid his dues and actually worked his way up to that top line. And, again, I think right now what we're seeing is just pure synergy uh, amongst the three. And, right, you know, he's one goal away from 20, which is sick. I think he – I'm pretty sure he has tied um, uh, Zach Hyman's, you know, full-on career career total of 41 points. Now, do I think he's going to win the Calder? I think it would be cool if he got nominated. But, like, Moritz Cedar in Detroit – is playing like 20 minutes a night as a rookie. Oh yeah. Like that. Oh yeah. Like, like I, I, I joke about it on Twitter and say like, you know, give, give, um, give Bunt in the Calder. It'd be cool if he got nominated, but like, man, like when you're like players don't play that much ice time until they reckon they're in their third or fourth year. Like we look at like, like Travis Dermott on the Leafs, like it's still like an, an on, on again, off again, like option as like a third pairing defenseman. And he was drafted in 2015. Like Cedar's playing top pair minutes as a rookie. That's insane. So like, yeah, I would be sick to see Bunting win it, but like it has to be Cedar. Okay. At least there, there's some sensibility here. Yeah. But yeah. can we all, can the rest of us, can we all just imagine if somehow the voters decide to show whatever Toronto bias they have and give it to Michael Bunting, what Omar would be like? Oh, I'd be screaming down the, down the street. Be amazing. Oh, it'd be wicked. I'm screaming. <laughs> That'd be sick. <laughs> Two Calders in six years. Matthews in 2016. Michael Bunsen in 2022. So sick. That'd be. Could you imagine if they gave they gave people on hockey Twitter a chance to vote for these awards? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was gonna I was gonna say being like attached to Matthews hurts you, right? It hurts Bunting that he's attached to Matthews. I think it hurts Marner yeah. to a certain extent that he's attached to Matthews because he's probably a top 10 heart guy right now. If you look based on his performance, he's been the best player in the last two months. Yeah. But like the all-star game, Austin Matthews is going to get all the attention and he's probably going to take some of the shine away from the other two. I will say 
if Michael Bunting was truly a rookie, because if we're being honest with ourselves, he's not a rookie. I mean, he's had yeah. he's had better seasons than Lucas Raymond, Trevor Zegras. You'd probably have him there if he was truly a rookie, but I don't think people see it that way. He's like what twenty six? Yeah, he's like our age. Uh, around he could he should be on this show. He should be on this show. <laughs> He should be on this show. Yeah. I don't know if we could find yeah. find a way to get Michael Bunting. Uh, you know, if he's uh, up for the hey, call, put a request out. Yeah, put sure. Request yeah, we can do that. Have him Online on Zontime. Yeah, for sure. I'll lose yes. consciousness. Like <laughs> Omar, if if Michael Bunting does enough to somehow win the Calder Trophy, I will buy you a Michael Bunting bedspread. I thought I already had one. I thought I already had one. And Michael Bunting boxers and Mike and B- Michael Bunting pe- pencils. You know what? It's fine. You know what? I, I was doubted. I was called a madman. It's okay. You still it's are. All right. That's fine. Yeah, I am a little bit. To be honest, that <laughs> could stupid. that could have that could have gone south very quick. I'm not gonna oh, lie. Oh yeah. Michael oh, Bunting on the fourth line for a little bit. I looked at that jersey and I was like, maybe Yo. I should have waited, but it worked Yo. out. It worked out anyway. <laughs> Thank God, uh, because 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 if if Michael Bunting somehow ended up on waivers, you are not living that down. <laughs> there should be there should be some like there should be some sort of like authenticity tag, like a baseball card that you got it before Michael Bunting was Michael Bunting. Like you deserve mm-hmm. credit for that jersey. There's so many fifty eights in the hey fans back in the seats tonight. There's gonna be so many fifty eights. You're not yes. the only one. You were the only one, Omar. That's you true. deserve. I can say I was there. I was there when there was still question marks. <laughs> I know we, we kind of talked also about UC Saros and Igor Shosturkin. I mean, tell you what, even if those two do not end up winning the Hart Trophy, that could be a very, very fun battle for the Vezina Trophy between those two goaltenders. Uh, feel free to add a third nominee in there, but I, I think those two are definitely the front runners for the Vezina. Runners, but I want to throw Jacob Markstrom's name into the ring. Uh, he's yeah, got sorry, like, sorry, he's got to be there too. Yeah, he's got what a 925 save percentage. He's got eight shutouts, which until last week was more shutouts than the Habs had wins. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Had to get that. In. That's what I was waiting for. Had to get that I in. was waiting for that. Yes. He's he's yes. two wins. He's two shutouts away from Kiprasov's record. And he was Where robbed. Mika- he was robbed of a Vezina nomination like two years ago when he was on the Canucks. Mm, he was. Remember Mika Kiprasov? That was a goalie. Yeah. Yeah. I keep waiting for Shostyrkin to fall. Like, you can't be 940. Like, he had a 939, I believe, like a couple weeks ago. I saw it tick up to 940. And then tick up to 941. And I'm like, how is he improving on these numbers? Like, if you look at the know. analytical profile on him, it is ridiculous. Like, he is running away honestly the only thing that could even be factored into this discussion if you're going somewhere if you're going a different route is he's not really a workhorse i think he's only played 60 percent of the starts for the rangers and you know if you've looked at hard trophy candidates in the past theodore and price in the last 20 years they were both up over like 82 83 percent of starts so that's the one Mm -hmm. thing that i guess can dog shestirkin but if you go strictly by the numbers Case closed. I think so. Uh, Omar, what about you? Um, I mean, see, I witnessed Markstrom firsthand, so I, I know how frustrating he can be. But no, honestly, <laughs> like, I think I think Sam Ash, like like eight shutouts in a in a season is ridiculous. 
And yeah, like obviously, like I think some people might like chalk it up to like, oh, you know, Daryl Sutter's defensive structure, but like you still have to make the saves, right? And I think if you just look at those raw, the raw stats and raw numbers, like yeah, that's just freaking ridiculous. So I know, you know, there's a time where people thought Jack Campbell was gonna get up as a nomination, and uh, I was waiting for that mention. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> See, that's the beauty of, uh, of early takes. That's, that's the beauty of early takes because uh, <laughs> I love, love Jack, man, but whole, but it is, it's not. Man, that it, Detroit it, game, it, it's, that Detroit game, boy, damn. If that's what the goaltending the Leafs are going to get for the playoffs. Yo, why do you we have to, to you, we, might, we, we, you might have we, to, mm, you might have to bust out the brooms, my boy. You got to bust out the brooms. Yeah, They're not looking about, good. I don't, know, I don't know about, listen, all, all it takes, yes, you, you play hot for a little bit. You know, and then things go well, right? Habs did that. They rode a hot goaltender all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Granted, I, I probably did. brought that up because I unlocked you know, more, more Trump, truffle, you know, bad <laughs> memories. However, memories. However, you know, yeah. But yeah, honestly, I, I think Markstrom probably will get will get the third nomination. And again, I think when it comes down to the three, I think there's argues for all three. But yeah, I think I, I'm really on, on the lines of a lot of things that Sam said, especially when it comes to UC Soros. And again, I thought Nashville would be bad. Like, I actually thought this would be a year where, like, like they traded Arvidsson over the summer, and I was like, okay, there it is. That, that's the first one. And I thought it was mm-hmm. just going to trickle out through the rest, you know, find, maybe find a way to deal with the Ryan Johansson contract, even though Matt Duchesne's playing better, find a way to deal with him. But, man, like, he's he's keeping them in it, and they're legitimately in a playoff run. So, now I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting it at the end, too. Yeah. Sam, I hope you know that that Canadians joke he made at the beginning of the segment. There are Canadians fans who be like, "Why would you make that joke? Well, the Canadians are winning now. Don't you do Yo, it?" The Canadians team. are are winning, and if I'm Ken Hughes, I'm pissed. Listen, no, if they lose, no, 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 listen no, no, to no, me. No, 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 no. If the Habs lose this for a second, lottery, if the Habs lose the draft lottery, I will laugh so hard. Can we stop? Oh, Yes. Let's what? stop. 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 You real? I was reading about this in the athletic. If they go on like a seven hundred like run, they could still be like a near last place team. Also, I don't want to hear shit about how okay, you know what, man? They're going to be out of last place to go to ruin their draft lottery. Talk to Detroit about being the worst team in the National Hockey League and see where that got them in the draft lottery like two years ago. But also, I think the player they drafted two years ago was a candidate for the Calder Trophy. If I'm mistaken, it was. Lucas Raymond two years ago. And I think the year prior might have been more insider. You can draft fourth overall and still end up with a Calder trophy favorite. You don't have to be number one, but you can draft fourth overall and end up with a Calder trophy winner. Yeah. Yes. 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 Or or you can draft draft first overall and get a franchise player. You could. You could also draft third overall and ruin the development of your center and you know have the them off. The best part about all We're of just these like... players are is that yeah. none of these teams have gotten very far in the playoffs. That's so, that is so nope. true. Nope. That is so true. Or at least none, at least none of them so have won a Stanley true. Cup. None of them have won a Stanley Cup. That, that I mean, so that's true. it. Just It's very true. Now we have to do the hard transition over into real world issues with regards to russia and ukraine 
and uh, the invasion that uh, Vladimir Putin is orchestrating in Ukraine, but also because we're a sports show, we are looking at it through the lens of sports. And in light of the last few days, we have seen, with regards to hockey anyway, uh, Russia essentially being suspended from many an international competition until further noticed, and the country having uh, a couple of the competitions that were supposed to host in 2023 uh, taken away from them. Uh, well, I think I think there may be a decision coming later on the World Championships later this year, but that remains to be seen if they'll actually get to hold on to that. And of course, we've seen members of the hockey world speak out on it. Wayne Gretzky, before a decision was even made, was calling for uh, Russia not to be in the World Juniors happening later this summer. Uh, Dominic Hasek uh, also voicing uh, his opinion as well. And of course, all eyes on Alexander Ovechkin, who last I checked still has somehow still has uh, a profile picture with uh, Vladimir Putin in his Instagram post. Like, I want to start with Ovechkin first, because my take on this is that I can understand that Ovechkin is in a precarious position, and the fact that he can't say anything too crazy, depending on what might happen to his family in Russia. But the, the profile picture thing with Vladimir Putin is a is it's a choice. That's a that's a bit of a choice to me. I don't is know it? if I'm wrong on that. It, I don't know. Like I mean, like you, you're keeping it there. You're not going to be neutral. You're not going to do something else. Like if you're really not about, I, mean, I don't know. Just it, it's a choice. It's I think it's a bit peculiar. Maybe I'm wrong. I I don't know. It's I just think it's really weird. But I'm also curious what other people think about how Ovechkin kind of handled that pressure last week. I think that there's like two separate issues here that get conflated. Like I I said when when the invasion started, I said, you know, we don't, we haven't talked enough about how much he's publicly supported Putin over the years. And that wasn't by any means saying, you know, you should ask him about it now, because obviously he does have family mm -hmm. there and asking him about it is, I think, asking athletes about it puts them in, in, in a difficult position, given, given where their families are. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about what he's done over over the years, right? Like he start, he launched Putin team in 2017. He's he did. You know, there's there's a significant difference between. I totally understand when people say you can't ask him about it now; it puts him in a very difficult position. You know, he's it's totally unfair. But there's a significant amount of difference between not speaking up against him and publicly campaigning for him the way he has over years and years. And that's all on the record, right? Like, it's not like he just kept his head down and said nothing. He has gone above and beyond in, in kind of flaunting his relationship with Putin when, when things were not at this stage. So to me, that's, that's a conversation that is, I think, worth having, not because, you know, you can say that's not the important thing right now, but we don't talk enough about how much Putin uses sports washing. And he's been one of the primary sources of that. Yeah. I think that's I well think, said. Yeah, uh, I think to that point, ahead. like wasn't the only, I think the only Russian player who was like openly against Putin was Panarin. Right. And he. It's the most he prominent one against through, him. Yeah. And he went through all, through all that stuff. I, I think it was last season. So yeah, it, it's, it, it is, it is tough. And again, to, to Sam's point, like it, it's not just like, um, you know, a, a circumstantial thing. It's like, you know, active campaigns and active supports and so on and so forth. So, I mean, do we have, you know, do you have to be conscious of the, of the situation, the living situation, definitely of his family and, you know, and all 
Russian players who have family are rested right now, definitely. But I think that's something that you can't just, I guess, turn a blind eye to, you know, and, and can't just say like, hey, well, you know, that's that's all just because of this is all happenstance and circumstantial. So, yeah. And it is sorry, just it's worth pointing out that as much as Panarin spoke up against him, he spoke in favor of a guy who's actually further to the right. <laughs> so it's not actually just a good thing. Okay. Context. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Uh, like, I found myself thinking about, like, what happened to 16-year-old or 17-year-old Alexander Ovechkin when he was clearly the best player in his country and a new-ish regime, I guess, was taking power and they realized what they might have in him and what maybe they could do to exploit the fact that he was the next big star in Russia. And I guess I'm making something up here on the spot, but I don't think this relationship was fully Alexander Ovechkin's doing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he was recruited. And as we said, we talked about on the podcast over the weekend, Julian, like, we just can't understand this reality of A, being a person in that position, but B, being a person in that position from a country where they are manipulated and exploited and used for political gain. So it's really hard for me to, like, really tear him down when this is happening because I just don't know what the reality is that he's facing. And I said, you know, is it his choice to have that picture up? I, I don't know if it's his choice to have that picture. If he took that picture down, that's fair. That's mm-hmm. denouncing his relationship through a tacit, you know, response. That's very fair. Like it, it, that's actually a really fair point. It's mm-hmm. really difficult. And just because it's there, like he he's damned if he do, do, does it or damned if he doesn't, I guess like it's, it's, it's difficult. And it's really hard to like, provide you know analysis that makes any sense when you just have that you don't have that lived experience so you know we like our superstar athletes to be role models right and i'm sure he is to many russians but you know it's not the same reality for even the people looking up to ovechkin depending on what country you're in so it's 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 hard it's hard and it's going to be, you know, difficult waters for him to navigate, and difficult for all Russian athletes who are trying to figure out their best course of action. Can you stay out of the spotlight or Putin's spotlight and get your family safe, and then live a free life, or are you kind of stuck and tethered to where you were just born, and maybe you don't believe anything that's going on in that country, and you're just stuck in that country? So I don't know. I think that's. I know we're we're a little bit at a loss of words on how to explain everything, but just I'll, I'll give you points for that. I think you explained it pretty well, and I know I kind of kind of speculated or not speculated, but at least threw into question uh, the choice of of having the profile picture still up. I think you make a really good point. You're right. If Alexander Vechkin does take that down, that does bring a lot. At this point, it brings stronger about, than anything uh, he could say. Unfortunately, that's actually very true. Uh, so I I will concede on that point. Uh, and, and and we know what the sanctions as well affecting Russia and Belarus. I mean, if, I believe if Russia does participate, it, it, they can't identify under the flag. It has to be pretty much like what the ROC was at the Olympics. I'm also curious about prospects and how that could affect uh, players coming in and, and, and the KHL, the future of that as well. Uh, it's, it's Again, it's, the more we get into it, it's a little bit more small fry stuff compared to what's going on in the Ukraine. But because we talk about hockey, it's it's something you have to think about. What does this mean for a guy like Matvey Michkov, who could, who could be drafted in the same year as, as Connor Bedard? What does that mean for him? What does that mean for Russian players in the league right now? 
who some uh, are, are saying that uh, they've, re- they've received death threats in the last few days, and they're hoping that the National Hockey League or, or someone can provide some safety for them. This is such a, I don't want, this is such a complicated, this is as complicated a situation as we've ever had to discuss on the show. And I guess just having that perspective, not having that perspective of living in Europe and, and, and having someone like Vladimir Putin as, as a leader uh, direct to us kind of makes this as complicated a situation to discuss. Uh, so yeah, not really a lot of answers from us, but I have to say, it's just, we have to acknowledge it in some way because it is what it, it is, what is happening right now. It's just, it, it, it's really just mind boggling to me. I don't know if anyone else wants to add anything else before we move on, but it's, it's, it's just a really wild story that I know we ha- we're going to have to keep track of and, and, and keep track of all the developments that stem from it. And I'm sure there might be more stuff to come. Uh, as we continue to follow new stories that come out of Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall this might be an aspect of, I don't know, aspect of the, the world or society, however you want to go about it, that a lot of people just don't know about. And I think now with everything that's going on, maybe you know, people have taken the opportunity to you know, do some extra research or, or look into things. I, ideally, hopefully, you know, people aren't just like going through Twitter and just seeing all that stuff and just like liking and retweeting and not actually looking at things that are going on. But like, it actually is interesting to think of all the, all the ramifications of all this stuff. Like, I don't know if anyone saw it before recorded. Like, I think like CCM announced that they're not going to have any Russian players on any advertisement, yeah. right? including, including Ovechkin. Um, I think I saw on Saturday, there's a question of these, the CHL import draft where you yep. do have Russian players who will come, come over and play in like the OHL and the WHL and the, in the queue. So it, it makes you wonder like, you know, how, I guess, how far is this going to go? Um, and, and, you know, and how much change are we going to see that's going to be permanent and not, and not just, uh, you know, until further notice or, you know, missing this year or that year. Like, are we going to get, are we going to get to a point where a lot of the things that we're seeing actually end up becoming permanent? And, and I don't really know how to answer that, but I think it's just something that I'm, I'm kind of thinking about a lot is just like how much of what is happening is, is going to continue. And, and again, obviously, you know, definitely want to, you want to, you know, talk about obviously the people who are currently fighting right now and, you know, fighting for, fighting for their freedom. I think that's a, a significant thing, but it's, it, it's the definitely it's a if it's another side of the coin that us in north america are not privy to and don't need to go through i think um or haven't had to go through um yeah. so it's it's an interesting thing definitely yeah. the point you made on the import draft like okay so that's a canadian hockey federation making a decision that is you know rooted in good good interests of you know the people involved but who does it hurt in the end it hurts the 17 year old prospect who has no role in this but was born in russia and raised in russia you know i like it's it's meant to be you know you're doing your part to take from the people that are funding this war but in actuality it's just going to hurt a player that is not really connected to this or at least we think you know what i mean like it that's why it's tough yeah. that's why it's like we don't have the answers no we don't uh sam go ahead i was just gonna say as as a, a last point that's kind of unrelated to the, the draft question i i think uh regular zone time teammate raf uh has 
rightfully pointed out, you know, we don't, we don't ask North American players these kinds of questions when, when the U.S. invades Middle Eastern countries. And it's, there's an absolute double standard here. And I think we would be remiss to not mention that. And I think, um, you know, if you follow Rahaf, she's had some very, very well articulated thoughts about that. I think that's a really good point. There's a whole, yeah, we, we definitely are, are looking at this in a completely different lens than we would with an Israeli-Palestinian conflict or any other conflict that takes place in other parts of the world. Uh, that is very well said. And uh, yeah, it makes sense that Redhef would say that. Uh, a bit of a tough transition to go from this topic to our final one with regards to women's hockey and a report that surfaced around the internet. I think Chris Bata was the one who did. Uh, suggesting that there may be an announcement to come finally about a best on best women's hockey league announcement to come at some point this year. Some people have talked about it. There have been some rumblings. A lot of people have at least advocated for this to happen. Uh, We're at a point where we're just kind of speculating here, but I'd like to get into a discussion on beyond the fact that you need the best players in the league. What could actually, what does the league need for it to work? I mean, exposure is the very first thing that comes to mind like this is something that should be seen on 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 legacy media outlets like a sportsnet or 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 tsn or if they want to tap into digital platforms like twitch for example like the phf has done with streaming games that's an idea but uh, katha i'd like to know just starting with you like what else needs to be done if a women's league with best up with the best best players in the world comes to fruition what needs to be done for it to be successful Unfortunately, I think it's NHL backing. Uh, and I think Chris Boda had uh, in that tweet that it's, you know, select teams will be backing this league, which is good. I mean, NHL representation is probably important here. The meshing of both the men's and women's game is important because you're selling it and providing it to a bigger audience. But unless the NHL is going to try and make these two leagues and one being their their league and one being a hypothetical league, like they need to be intertwined probably for both of them to be at their best. So I, I just, you know, we, the NHL ignoring women's hockey. I mean, it's just ridiculous how long it's gone and, and the misplaced priorities. And we see it all across sports. We're seeing it in baseball right now with their inability to do what's best. The NHL has shown an inability to do what's best for so long now, but this game, the women's game is at the peak of its powers. It had been at the peak of its powers before, but they it is as strong as it's ever been. What we saw over the Olympics was as good as hockey as you're going to see. And for the NHL to not get behind this with the opportunity potentially there and only have select backing, well, let's just hope it's not reduced to that because it should be a full, uh, full backing. The full power and might of the NHL should be behind the women's game and they should be involved. And I hate to say that they need to be involved for it to hit you know, to be as powerful as it should be, but that's probably the reality right now. And once that happens, then it can take off to new heights uh, by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omar, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think just like on the, along the lines of what, what Justin said, and I remember, I remember when the initial talk about you know, um, oh, a woman's professional league, like a single woman's professional league, being brought up, like they asked Gary Bettman about it, and he just you know he went into full on lawyer mode and said like, oh, you know, well. Sorry, that's my guess. My Gary Bettman voice. Um, I was good. Keep going with it. 
<laughs> you need to bobble um, your head a little bit too. <laughs> if um, you know, like if if there if there is a plan that's made and and we are and we, it's presented to us and we think that is something that we can help with or that is something that's concrete, then you know, then we'll put we'll put in our we'll make a decision there. But until then, we'll have to wait. And and yeah, yeah, I think when it comes to women's games as a whole. I think the 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 main way to get eyes on the, on these games is to not make it a a journey to watch them, right? And like I I remember when like when they first started started being played on Twitch, like people were like, "Do I need an account? What's the link? What time do I watch? What can I do here?" And so on and so forth. It's just like it's just like this this huge task. But when you're watching an, an, an NHL game or any men's professional game, you just turn on the TV, change the channel, and then there it is. So I think to Justin's point, and that's where the NHL can really step in by giving a televised platform where these games can be shown. Because if you have eyes on it, then you can you know draw further interest. Now again, do we need justification of the of, of you know women's games having having interest? No, because we saw what, what happened at the Olympics. Millions of people watched, and millions of people were excited and supported what was going on. So I just think they need they need the support of the NHL. And yeah, to Justin's point, it sucks that. We have to say that, you know, the women's league, the women's professional women's league needs the NHL, but a you know, full support from the NHL, I think will go a long way. I totally agree with Omar. And I think, I, I think you nailed it. I think the key is making it accessible. The idea that, you know, you need to be able to justify, justify putting it on mainstream TV is to me ridiculous. Like, I think the statistics from that gold medal game, Canada, US in the Olympics were the ratings were higher than all but one NHL game from the entire last season. So the notion that people <laughs> won't watch women's hockey because it's somehow inferior is absurd. Like the numbers actually prove otherwise. The reason people don't watch it is because you have things like two years ago, the, the world championships, they were broadcasting from like a nest. It was like a security camera quality. Yeah, it, was, it was awful. And so you know, anytime it's been made available, people watch it. So the idea that people aren't interested is ridiculous. The idea that you need to be financially successful to televise it is ridiculous. Like, sorry, I'm looking at the Arizona Coyotes. They're somehow still playing. The Florida Panthers somehow still playing. You're telling me that you need to somehow have some kind of minimum level of quality or financial success to be broadcast. That doesn't make any sense. Like, the NHL has garbage teams all the time that they just dump money into. So why don't you dump money into some hockey that's actually good played by women? And, and I should say the NHL involvement would bring in companies like MLSE. MLSE should have a women's hockey team under its banner. Its logo should be on the side of Scotiabank Arena with the Leafs and the Raptors and maybe the Toronto Rock before it. I don't know if they're still around, but it's important if you have NHL backing, you have the backing of everyone that the NHL is affiliated with and having MLSE will want to have a franchise. I can guarantee that. Yep. I can guarantee that, but it has to come under the right circumstances and the right partnerships. And of course, MLSE is tied up in the NHL. So it all needs to come together. It all has to be in one ecosystem for it to work as good as it should work. And of course, what Sam was saying, it outdrawing all but one hockey game in the NHL tells you all you need to know. Literally, yeah. Sam, Sam, like you brought up such a that's such a funny point. Like the fact that like we have to see freaking Bettman justify why it's okay to have an NHL franchise 
in an arena with 2,000 people. But then when, when it comes to, to backing a, a professional women's league, oh, we have to see the numbers and the data and we have to see if it's, it's viable. Like They're out there. They exist. But, but also, how much money has he dumped into the Arizona Coyotes? Like, come on. Right. They owned the team for a while. Like, this is ridiculous. Oh, my God. And because of the support that, like, you know, we're seeing for women's players and, and the fact that so many more of them are, like, household names, like Hillary Knight and Mary Philip Poulain and Sarah Nurse among those, it, we're almost at a point where, like, you don't even need, like, the men's players directly to, you know, prop up a league and, and try to help them be popular. You don't need to do that. I think, though it would be good on them to at least support it. Like I'm wearing a WNBA sweater now and the league itself is very good and the players and personalities are good, but not even just for the help of promoting it. It's just cool to see solidarity and and support between both the men and the women's leagues. I would hope that there is something of the sort if a women's league is established and you see men's players there. But the cool thing is, is that some of those women's players you might actually like better than some of the men's players anyway. And they're just cool enough to support. Like, I don't need some dude to be like, hey, man, you should go watch Mary Philip Poulain. If she signed that deal with that ECHL team in, in Trois-Rivières, me and a couple of friends, we were ready to make that drive to like mm-hmm. go see her, like 90 minutes away from Montreal. We were going to yeah. go see her. That, that's easy. That's easy. And I bet that arena would have sold out too. I think it's like 5,000, that capacity, that bet that would have sold out too. It doesn't matter if it's like 90 minutes away. It's Mary Philip Poulin. And I understand her reasons for, or for the reasons why she would not want to play in that league and just stay on the women's side. But man, I would have watched. Come on. I think, I think there are some players who, you know, like it's must watch. Like Hillary Knight, you you have a game with Poulin and Knight. That should be marketed the whole country over in Canada and parts of the United States as well. Of course, all throughout the United States too. Like there are household names that are building themselves up through women's hockey that, you know, yes, having the backing of the NHL and then players should help, but there's an audience that just wants to see those players and you might not have to work as hard to market those players. Yeah, man. Like Michaela Grant Mantis, like, yeah, she all, love love her as a player like like that's like oh i can see it she's like she's wicked to watch and again like like when i started watching like um a woman's hockey more in the toronto six like she's just electric player um and there are a lot of players that are on that are on that toronto toronto six team so it's like yeah like we don't nest we don't need we don't need i don't know who would they ask connor mcdavid to say hey everyone I'm oh yeah, McDavid. great because because if Come I want watch, someone to like, sell me something, it's Connor McDavid. Man, you I know, really you want know Con- they would ask him. You know they would ask him. I know they would, but like, <laughs> and no disrespect to Connor McDavid, we all know how great of a player he is, but he is one of the last people I want him. I want selling me anything. It'd be no him disrespect. and Crosby. It'd be like, hey, Sydney. Sydney Crosby Hi, at Connor. least has a little bit of personality. What are you nice doing dude. on Saturday? Oh, you know, just hanging out. Well, you should actually go and watch the professional women's game. The professional women's game. Women's game. Yeah. Go watch the professional women's game. I don't know. I'm, I'm with Julian. I, I think Crosby's better than Crosby yeah. has like more personality. Yeah, he's, gotten, than he's gotten better. Yeah. Look at those. Yeah, look yeah, at yeah. those Tim Hortons commercials. He does. With exactly. Those are actually cute. Those that are fun. Is true. That, that is like true. that. That wouldn't be so bad. But Conor McDavid, I still think that he's trying, but he's still a little bit of a stick in the mud. He's but the it, human it, version of his house. It. <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> It shouldn't be on the players, though. Like, Julian, you showed off the sweater. That brand 
it's the WNBA logo, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't see all of it. Yeah, w- but it's yes, unmistakably WNBA, yeah. NBA. It's unmistakably the yeah. pinnacle of basketball. It's all the synergy is there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it means something because it's yeah. it's the brand, right? This is one of the hottest pieces of apparel in like what, like 2019, 2020. People were like fighting to get this sweater, like you know, sell that on crazy. Kijiji. Can't do that. Nah, nah. It's, I'm keeping this. You crazy? I bought this off Fanatics though. But like, no, this is, man. And like, there's such an opportunity if they announce this like relatively soon, still in the glow of the Olympics, they could capitalize off people watching as many as they did. And I mean, look, I'm sure, what, do do any of you guys have that blue PWHPA hoodie? Or I don't know if they have other colors of it. That was also, I got one. I think I wore that on the very first episode of this show. That's a clean hoodie. That is a golden opportunity for them to make some marketing off some clothes. It's it's a clean hoodie. It's dope. There's look the clothes, the apparel, the style. That's another huge part of this too. This is such an opportunity uh, for the women's game. And uh, we're shouting out cool jerseys for women's. Can we shout out uh, not a fan Joe's black Rosie Riveters jersey? Because that was sick. That's cool. That's cool. It's a good jersey, man. That's cool as hell. And I remember that was something when the initial jersey came out, that was something that was talked about a lot. So when it happened, I openly said, holy shit, they actually did it. Yeah. So like, yeah, that was cool as hell. Well-deserved of a, of a shout out. That is very much well-deserving of a shout out. Is there any other final thoughts on this topic before we uh, we go home and watch hockey, I guess, because that's what we're all trained to do yeah. in our respective markets? I was just going to say, like, with respect to that town you were going to drive to, Marie Philippe Land should be selling out the Bell Center, not yeah. the rink in the town yes. that you're going to. Yes, that is very true. She absolutely should be. Uh, that's a very good way to end this podcast. Let's be real. Uh, Kaf, Omar, Sam, a pleasure as always. And thank you uh, listening or watching to this podcast for doing so because we very much appreciate you. Subscribe uh, to the Yahoo Sports NHL YouTube page. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And even if you just like going on Twitter and just seeing the clips where Omar wilds out, we appreciate your support nonetheless because, I mean, we all love it when Omar Wilds out on the show. Imagine if the Leafs went around this year. It is going to be bananas. I have my doubts about that, but that's for another episode. Uh, for everybody, I'm Julian Singh. So long and peace. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Zone Time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.